Children's literature comes in many different forms and is often created not only to entertain, but to teach a lesson while doing so. Authors of children's literature create worlds with an array of different details. Oftentimes, the worlds they create are not only made up of words, but pictures as well. Many authors find it very important to work with an illustrator that they believe brings their vision to life in a way that they have imagined it. One particular author that jumps over this challenge is Maurice Sendak. He chooses to take on the role of both author and illustrator for many of his works. Of these, the one he is most well known for is Where the Wild Things Are, which we will dive into more in a bit. Maurice Sendak was born in 1928 in Brooklyn, New York, and spent his childhood there. Growing up, he was a very sick child, and this resulted in Sendak turning to drawing as a way to spend his time. While in high school, he got a part-time job working at All American Comics. From there, Sendak began working for a popular toy store in New York, creating window displays. In the 1940s, while still working at the toy store, Sendak met Ursula Nordstrom, a popular children's book editor. Throughout the 1950s, with the in he received through Nordstrom, Sendak illustrated children's book for other authors. In 1956, Sendak published his first children's book titled, Kenny's Window, in which he was not only the illustrator, but the author as well. Throughout his career, Sendak wrote and illustrated more than 50 books, as well as assisting in musicals and operas creating set designs, costumes, and props. In 1963, Sendak published the book that he is now most well known for, Where the Wild Things Are. Where the Wild Things Are, story and pictures by Maurice Sendak. The night Max wore his wolf suit and made mischief of one kind and another. His mother called him Wild Thing and Max said, I'll eat you up. So he was sent to bed without eating anything. That very night in Max's room, a forest grew and grew and grew until his ceiling hung with vines and the walls became the world all around and an ocean tumbled by with a private boat for Max. And he sailed off through night and day and in and out of weeks and almost over a year to where the wild things are. And when he came to the place where the wild things are, they roared their terrible roars and gnashed their terrible teeth and rolled their terrible eyes and showed their terrible claws till Max said, be still and tamed them with the magic trick of staring into all their yellow eyes without blinking once. And they were frightened and called him the most wild thing of all and made him king of all wild things. And now, cried Max, let the wild rumpus start. Now stop, Max said, and sent the wild things off to bed without their supper. And Max, the king of all wild things, was lonely and wanted to be where someone loved him best of all. Then all around from far away across the world, he smelled good things to eat. So he gave up being king of where the wild things are. But the wild thing cried, Oh, please don't go. We'll eat you up. We love you so. And Max said, No. The wild things roared their terrible roars and gnashed their terrible teeth and rolled their terrible eyes and showed their terrible claws. But Max stepped into his private boat and waved goodbye and sailed back over a year and in and out of weeks and through a day and into the night of his very own room where he found his supper waiting for him and it was still hot. Where the Wild Things Are is a highly creative book that takes a clever approach to children's literature. We are thrown straight into the story with Max and his wolf suit causing trouble in his home. 
Very quickly, we leave his home and enter the world of the wild things. Throughout the story, we see Max take control of this world's sundak, or according to the book, Max has created. He travels to the land of the wild things, and we were told that it takes over a year for him to get there. Once he reaches the land, he quickly becomes king and runs this little world. In the middle of the book, there is a section of six pages taken up solely with images. This was a particular choice made by Sendak, considering he had a limited amount of pages to tell us his story. The scene that is depicted in the six-page spread is what we can only assume to be a wild rumpus, as Max calls it. The word rumpus, in my opinion, is not a very well-known word, especially by young children. This may be part of Sendak's reasoning for using six entire pages with only images. The child can watch the wild rumpus play out through images rather than Sendak trying to describe it with words. When looking at the images Sendak creates, he displays the wild rumpus as the wild things stomping and dancing around, swinging from trees and clamoring about. When you look up the definition of a rumpus, it is described as a noisy disturbance or a commotion. Based on this, Sendak does quite a good job of depicting what a rumpus is simply with his images. Throughout the party, it is clear that Max is still in charge. He has a golden crown on his head and he can even be seen riding on the back of one of the wild things. Simply through images, Sendak is able to pass the reader of a, lo a lot of information in this way. Where the Wild Things Are was published in 1963. When it was first released, there was a lot of apprehension from parents, especially regarding the illustrations in the book. The adults were concerned that Sendak's illustrations of monsters with big teeth, claws, and horns would frighten children. This did not be end up being the case, though. In actuality, Kids loved the book, and it quickly became a favorite for children internationally. Another big fear for parents, though, was that the book would encourage kids to act out and result in bad behavior from them. In his book, Sendak gave Max the ability to express his unromanticized emotions that all kids generally do have, but are often aren't put on display in children's books. These emotions were things such as mischief, power, anger, defiance, and even somewhat frightening fantasies. According to John Check, the features that Sendak gave to Max were influenced by children he had seen around Brooklyn, where he was raised. I personally think that Sendak was not trying to say kids have changed how they are behaving or that they should behave this way, but rather, kids are going to behave like this whether we like it or not. If adults try to hide these, as not, these not as positive behaviors or tame them, the children will often find another way to expel them. It is better to have the children acting out like this somewhere they are guaranteed to be safe such as in their bedroom, in their own fantasy world. Yet another extremely interesting aspect of Sendak's Where the Wild Things Are is where the term wild thing actually comes from. The term is pulled from Sendak's Jewish heritage. It is a translation of the Yiddish phrase wild shaya, and when he was misbehaving, it is what his mother would call him. Along with this, the wild things that Sendak illustrated pull from his Jewish relatives in certain aspects. They were people he saw in his childhood, and their appearance was something that interested and entertained him as a child. I think that Sendak decided that if he found them interesting as a child, it was probable that it would also intrigue other children around the world. By turning them into monsters rather than actual people, Sendak accomplishes two things. First, he can help to eliminate the worry of offending or calling out a specific person or group of people by establishing them as monsters or crazy beings. Secondly, though, Sendak is able to relate to children from all different backgrounds. By having most of the main characters in the book be creatures, he's able to shy away from catering his book to only a specific group of people. 
One big aspect of Sendak's writing in Where the Wild Things Are that many found inspiring was Sendak's way of teaching a lesson without reprimanding Max all too much. While he does get sent to his room without with no dinner, Max does end up receiving the food in the end, and it's still warm. This small little detail at the end of the story tells us that while Max feels as though he was gone for years, it was really only a short period of time. We are told from the very first page that Max is a mischievous child, but his behavior is in no way analyzed in the story. In fact, Sendak does not even make an attempt to try to examine or explain it. Instead, Max simply creates his own world and visits it. He is able to be in control and expel the mischief and energy that has grown inside of him. Then, when he's tired, he realizes he misses his home and his mother, which we can tell by the line, quote, And Max, the king of all the wild things, was lonely and wanted to be where someone loved him best of all, end quote. This makes it very clear that Max has learned his lesson all on his own. I think the lesson that Max learned was that while we all often get angry or unhappy with a situation, it's often better to take time for yourself rather than take it out on others, such as your mother. I also think that this book teaches an important lesson that our parents are there to support us and they care for us in ways that we often can't see or don't consciously notice. We see this by Max's mother still dropping off dinner for him despite all the mischief he caused and her sending him to his room. Sendak's Where the Wild Things Are easily falls into the category of a children's book. The story and wording are kept simple as well as brief for young readers. This is important because if an author uses too many words, phrases, or concepts without proper explanation, often a child will quickly lose interest. The one word that Sendak does use that most readers would not know is rumpus. Sendak quickly takes care of this by filling the next few pages of the book with what we can only assume to be a rumpus, which I spoke about earlier. Along with the wording selections made, Sendak also includes images to keep the young reader intrigued. The images all have bright colors and large details to catch the child's eye. Not only does this book fit into the category of children's literature for its physical features, but the content of the story is also very appropriate for a child. Many children create their own imaginary worlds and visit them. Alongside that, most children have also misbehaved at least a few times and been sent to their rooms. Sendak creates a very relatable scenario for most young readers. At the end of the day, Maurice Sendak brought in many aspects of his childhood, from the personality of Max to the name he created for the wild things. Sendak showcased a side of children that is often left in the dark, possibly in hopes of discouraging the behaviors. Instead, Sendak chose to tackle these very common experiences for children in a discreet manner by letting them simply play out rather than analyzing them. He allowed the child to figure out the problems and alongside them, the world, all on their own.